Broadcasting from the Unshackled Studios in Melbourne, this is Will's Front. Brought to you by the Unshackled.net. Now here's Tim Wills. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another Wilmsfront featured interview show on this Thursday, the 8th of December, 2022. Tonight, we are broadcasting on the Wilmsfront YouTube, DLive, and Odyssey channels, and also on Entropy. It is 8.30 p.m. here in Melbourne, Victoria, where after a scorching summer weekend, it has been a week of wind and rain. How predictably Melbourne, although it is the sun and warmth is forecast to return this weekend, fingers crossed. Christmas is quickly approaching and what a difference a year makes. Last Christmas, Australia was still divided with interstate travel restrictions and border closures throughout. Many Australians had lost their jobs and were locked out of everyday life for not making an informed choice not to get the COVID vaccine. This year, thanks to dedicated activists who organised pro-freedom, pro-medical choice rallies all around Australia, uh, which were attended by thousands. Uh, we saw the slow dismantling of much of the nation's vaccine passport and mandate system. But even now, despite the truth about the COVID vaccines not being able to stop transmission, COVID vaccine mandates are still in place and many in many industries and by government decree. And even some private companies are still enforcing their own COVID vaccine mandates on their employees. My guest tonight had his career brought to an end when a vaccine mandate came to his workplace. So I'll let him introduce himself. My name's Graham Hood and I am a 53-year veteran in aviation. I've been a pilot for 53 years. I've been an employee of Qantas for 32 years and had my command with Qantas for 32 years. I've been employed by TAA, Australian Airlines, Air Queensland, Bush Pilot Airways. I've been a crop dusting pilot. I have been a charter pilot. I've flown the venerable DC-3 around Cape York and the Gulf of Carpentaria. And um, I'm a very proud Australian and a proud employee of Qantas. But that's all struggling with me a little bit at the moment. Uh, I have flown some 35,000 hours. I have done 20,000 takeoffs and landings. Uh, I have spent 2,800 nights or so in hotel rooms. That amounts to almost eight years in hotel rooms. I've done 175 simulators. Um, I think I've passed all of them. I've been thoroughly tested with over 50 medical examinations to hold my license. And... Um, Everything I stand for, stand, stand for is now being threatened by a ridiculous mandate that I cannot support. It's a mandate that all aviation workers uh, in the industry are now being forced to adopt, and that is no jab, no job. Captain Graeme Hood, affectionately known as Hoodie, uh, since his viral video in 2021, which you just saw a segment from taking a stand against Qantas vaccine mandate, which is still in force for Qantas employees 
to this day. It has seen him become one of the most prominent campaigners against medical cohesion and uh, for uh, traditional freedom in Australia. Uh, he took part in the massive convoy to Canberra back in February against medical discrimination and coercion. He's done two speaking tours of Australia. He just got back from one recently. So I'm very grateful that he's joining me on Wilms Front tonight. Gra uh, Graham Hoodie, welcome. Good to see you, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Now, as I said, uh, Qantas still has its vaccine mandate for staff. Uh, one of the other major corporations that uh, had a vaccine mandate, uh, Woolworths, they recently dropped theirs, but uh, not Qantas. And there's no indication, it seems, that it's, it's going to be dropped. Yeah, Qantas are in a very awkward position at the moment because... Um, they, they stated they were one of the first companies to bring out the mandates and they stated that it was, that it was uh, fair and reasonable or re lawful and reasonable. That's right. That were their words. It's lawful and reasonable to impose. But in actual fact, their actions have been fraudulent because they, uh, their actions were, were not based on any proper research or science and that it's now been proven uh, even admitted by Pfizer that the uh, the vaccines were never tested to stop uh, transmission, and people have lost their careers, people have lost their homes, uh, and th these are careers that are hard fought for. Tim, they're um, they're not just something you wake up one day and decide, oh, I'll do that, and I'll give that a try. Um, people in my career have been wanting to do it since they were children, and to have their careers snuffed out by this corporate expediency. Uh, is reprehensible and uh, Qantas is faced, it will be facing multiple legal actions, I'm sure, because uh, everything they've done has been based on a lie. And uh, we can say that about all the corporations that have brought in these mandates. So looking forward to seeing that happen, actually. But uh, they did put out a survey, which was meant to, the results of which were meant to be released about two and a half weeks ago, talking about um, that. The question that was asked was, um, um, do you support the mandate? And uh, the, uh, all the all the staff in the company were asked to reply to that. And the re results should have been issued about two weeks ago. They haven't issued them. I think they're doing that deliberately. I think they've realised that they're in a very awkward legal position and we're just going to keep spruiking this until they uh, change their minds. But people need to be reinstated into their, into their positions, uh, into their old seniority, and they need to be fully reimbursed and compensated um it's just a, an absolute disgrace i'm ashamed to uh i'm ashamed to uh, mention the word sometimes Qantas. i really am uh 2022 it hasn't been the 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 bounce back in terms of uh, customer customer satisfaction that uh, Qantas were were hoping for uh there's been numerous uh, flight cancellation delays in uh, getting uh, baggage uh, to flyers uh, there was a, an appalling uh viral video of some melbourne baggage workers uh throwing clunking uh customers flyers luggage that was just uh uh, appalling. I myself haven't flown this year uh, because of uh, because of 
all of the the hoops uh, that uh, the governments and uh, the airlines uh, made customers and flyers go through. Uh, but uh, the CEO of Qantas, uh, Alan Joyce, he's been in the position since 2008. Uh, he's still flying high, uh, to use a pun, and he's seen off many opponents uh, during his uh, tenure. Uh, first, it was the trade unions, then it was traditional marriage supporters, and now it's uh, freedom uh, advocates and uh uh, well, now former employees who won't uh, yield to his vaccine mandates. And uh, he he looked pretty unapologetic when he was confronted by Simeon Boykoff, the, the Aussie Cossack, uh, telling him, uh, uh, telling him to, to piss off and, and fuck off. So you discriminate against the unvaccinated, we're calling you out, buddy. Mate, and off. you just told me to piss off on camera. What a disgrace you are. Well, you're Is a it... disgrace for a nine somebody just walking down the street. You're not somebody, you're a grub, that's who you are, mate. Fuck off. Ooh, on camera. <laughs> it seems that throughout his time at Qantas, he's always been able to always been able to get his way. Oh, absolutely. He's uh, he's quite the bully, is Alan Joyce. Um, he's a very astute man, and and people mustn't us underestimate him. He's um, he did he did bring the uh, company to profitability and and made it a viable organisation for many for many years, and the profitability held them over through the through the COVID uh, disaster that we've had, this pandemic disaster. Uh, I talk, I call it a, a disaster from the business viewpoint. Um, he has uh, credit where credit's due. He's he's a, he's a very skilled mathematician, and um, but he he is a ruthless individual. Um, he uh, you know his the whole company is run by human resources and industrial relations and the spin doctors and. Um, they thrive under his leadership. Um, I, I've had several run-ins with him. Uh, I give, as I as I said, I give credit where credit's due. But at the moment, I, I just see him as uh, out of touch completely. He's not the CEO for this time at Qantas, and uh, I think he needs to get out of the public arena altogether. I think he's a social engineer, and I don't think too many Australians take kindly to uh, their corporate CEOs becoming social engineers. I think it's time he went. I think it's time that most of the board that uh, that keep him in there need to go as well. And the sooner they, that he's gone and some of the board members are gone, the better off Qantas will be. They, um, there's no doubt in my mind that he is he has used his position as a CEO to become a social engineer in Australia. And that, that speaks volumes about the dysfunction of the Australian government because we, um, we, we don't elect our corporate leadership in this country. We can't elect them. The only people we can elect are the politicians, the candidates who run for office. And yet all the power is in the hands of the corporate CEOs. And that's got to stop. Uh, corporate CEOs can't be allowed to abuse the Commonwealth of Australia Constitution and impose mandates and other conditions that they're imposing while the government just sits there and smiles because the corporate CEOs are doing their hatchet jobs for them. I think it's reprehensible, Tim, and I, I, think, um, I think it needs to definitely be looked at and it needs to stop. And that's why we're all calling for a Royal Commission or better, something a bit stronger than a Royal Commission to bring this to heel. Uh, I, I agree with you that Alan Joyce, he's a good business manager, but as as you said, uh, he, he is a, a bully uh, as well. He turned Qantas to profitability, but it seems these, well, he's not alone in terms of that uh, corporations, they were just used to be about uh, efficiency, making a profit, 
obviously there was none of this uh, C, uh, CSR, corporate social responsibility, which is uh, pervading every major corporation now. They support every cause and uh, they it, it's now getting to the, the point where, well, even financial institutions are deplatforming people for wrong think. It's a de facto social credit system that we're starting to, to live under. We are indeed. And, and uh, just to go back to that video you mentioned, that viral video of the baggage handlers throwing the luggage around, I looked at that and that screamed out to me of, of uh, morale at rock bottom. Uh, morale in, inside the airlines has never been so bad. And these are people who are obviously fed up. They're getting paid peanuts. They're working uh, incredibly long hours. Uh, they're copying the blame for all the, uh, all the rubbish that's going on. And Alan Joyce and these corporate leaders have cut everything too far back to the bone. And uh, they've, they've allowed no margins at all for the rebuild. And uh, that's what we're seeing. I mean, it's reprehensible as well to see uh, people treating other people's possessions like that. I mean, these guys, these guys uh, are behaving very badly. But we need to understand that that's, a, that's an indication. Any good CEO would see that that's an indication of rock bottom morale along with the massive sick leave that's uh, going on at the moment. Sick leave's up to, up to 200%. So, um, you know, people that just aren't wanting to go to work, they don't like going to work anymore. And when I was there, it was a great place to work. You know, we had our ups and downs, but uh, it, got, uh, it got to a place where you couldn't tolerate even, even putting the uniform on anymore. So, um, yeah, all this, all this, all this wokeness in uh, in corporate Australia and, and in fact around the world and in government. I mean, it's um, it's going to cause us a whole lot more grief in the future. As I said to you before, I haven't flown this year. I have travelled interstate to, to New South Wales, uh, ACT, and and South Australia, but but driven because I just didn't didn't want to, to go through all the hoops, uh, maybe get flight delayed or cancelled or, or baggage lost. Uh, but this is, uh, this, this is not an uh, aviation phenomena, if I can call it that, that's unique to Australia in 2022. This is happening in Europe and, and North America. And uh, one British commentator that uh, I follow, I've actually interviewed on her on my program, Katie Hopkins, believes that there is some agenda here to turn people off flying because of its carbon emissions. And I just saw uh, that uh, France uh, are actually going to or ban people from flying short distances from, uh, from to cities in other cities in France or, or Europe when, the, when they can get there by train. It's, obviously you're not in uh, the, 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 the airlines anymore but what do you make of such a theory yeah look i think we're going to see a lot of that as this um as this green climate agenda comes forward i think um i think this uh, pandemic nonsense is about to burn itself out and it's been a dress rehearsal for uh, climate change and and social credit systems and all that sort of stuff there's no doubt about that uh and yeah they're going to uh they're they're, they're trying on a whole bunch of stuff with aviation at the moment. I, I understood that they were going to limit flights on extra short-haul flights weren't going to be operating. They're talking about um, having fully automated flight decks, uh, reducing the number of pilots to one on a flight deck uh, with artificial intelligence, and then they're looking at eventually using uh, 
just using artificial intelligence to fly the aeroplane altogether and cut pilots out. So there's a whole lot of this rubbish uh, being talked about. Um, and, you know, I think that's going to wake a lot of people up who are currently snoozing through the pandemic because they don't see it affects them. But when, uh, when all this stuff starts to come out and uh, they're, they're going to open their eyes, I believe for a long while that airfares were way too cheap. I think that uh, when when the airfares are cheaper than the parking or the cab fare to the airport, uh, you've got a you've got an issue. I think uh, people are just getting up, you know, waking up on a Saturday morning and deciding, oh, let's fly to Melbourne and from Brisbane and go down and watch the the football or something, instead of just getting in their car and going to the beach. And I think a lot of people are flying for no reason, and, and that's why we're seeing so many aircraft in the sky. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I used to fly a, a short-haul aeroplane. Uh, I enjoyed the lifestyle of a short-haul uh, pilot. But, you know, if I was, if I was operating across to uh, Perth, for example, uh, from Brisbane, I'd, uh, I'd take off uh, with full tanks of fuel. And by the time I landed, I'd left 12 and a half, 13 tonnes of uh, burnt kerosene in the atmosphere. I mean, that's, to me, that's, um, I don't see the point. I think, uh, I think flying, honestly, I think flying should be limited. I think we do too much of that. I think we're, um, I think we overconsume in so many ways, and flying is one of them. What, uh, what? Obviously, Australia to get to some places like you need to to fly. I mean, it's it's very hard. I don't think there's going to be a high high rail. Uh, train that's going to be from brisbane to perth i mean they can't even build one from brisbane sydney canberra melbourne that's been talked about for years and years but it's never going to to happen and obviously australia is a big continent so driving from say brisbane to perth uh, that would take over two days maybe with all with with all the stops there uh, so certainly it's uh, the Air travel will be still essential if you want to get need to get to city to city. In Australia, that's absolutely true because the the ground infrastructure is not there to like we don't have the high speed rail that they do in other countries, especially in Europe. So quite often, by the time you factor in, and I've I've done this myself, Tim. I've I've done a lot of travelling since I left Qantas. I haven't flown on a Qantas aircraft. I've been on two Virgin flights. I won't fly with Qantas. Um, I, um, I drive most of the time. I went down to the mission to Melbourne um, and uh, I drove 20 hours down and 20 hours back. I would rather drive than fly nowadays. And, um, and by the time I worked out, for me to go from uh, Brisbane or northern New South Wales to Sydney, by the time I drive to an airport, park the car, go through security, spend an hour there before I board the aircraft, fly down, wait for my bags, then get transport to where I've got to go, Another two hours on the road and I've got the whole thing done and I've got my car when I get there. So for me, it's it's a no-brainer. I'll just If I've got to go to Sydney from where I live, I'll just jump in the car and drive down. But they don't want you to drive either. Well, if they, if they, they want you to drive uh, electric vehicles, which to recharge them, I mean, it's... Uh, to fill up with petrol, a petrol station, you're out of there in five, ten minutes. But for an EV, you got to charge overnight and be at a charging station uh, for at least an an hour. It's not going to work, and you know we we can do it if we tow a diesel generator behind us, <laughs> uh, or um, 
Well, we could probably do it. Now, let's think of the money we're going to save in fuel. You know, we could drive maybe from uh, from uh, Brisbane to Sydney um, for under $100, but the extension cord's going to cost us $3.5 million, if you know what I mean. I'm making a pun, but it's just ludicrous. This whole, this whole uh, new green agenda is absolutely stupid. There is no logic in it whatsoever. Uh, now, as you said before, the reason why... Uh, Qantas hasn't lifted their vaccine mandate is basically, well, they can't admit that uh, they were wrong. And uh, 2022 has been the year when the 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 narrative on the the science on COVID has has fallen apart from the well uh, the lethality lethality of the virus itself, uh, the effectiveness of uh, safe and effectiveness of the vaccines, I should say, and also the uh, or effectiveness of of masks, like you name it, like all all of it has 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 fallen apart, and uh, it's like this is Australia has been as normal as it has been since uh, twenty nineteen, uh, but in terms of the people that have it's woken up uh, this year. Uh, it's certainly been a year of, of vindication for, for those who were stating the truth, but not many were listening at the time. Oh, it has been. And, and uh, what, what is stunning all of us is the fact that despite these legitimate statistics being released, clearly demonstrating that the wisest choice was to do what we did. I mean, I was... I was going to uh, I was going to get vaccinated. I, I was very very close, Tim. I was only days away from getting Pfizer, and my wife just said, asked me a question. She said, "Are you sure?" And I thought, "Well, I better delve into it." And when I delved into it and realised that I couldn't get the information I needed to give informed consent from anybody because nobody had the data, I thought it was crazy to go ahead. And and it was clear to most people. Who were, who were awake, that these big pharmaceutical companies were in a race to get the first contracts because whoever got the first contracts was get, were, were going to make trillions of dollars and they've actually done that. But they've done it at the expense of human life and um, they will be held to account for that. There's no doubt about that. They will be held to account. Um, but the fact that, like, for example, the mainstream media's treatment of uh, protesters in China uh, is mind-boggling. They're, they're saying like Ross, uh, Stan Grant and, and these talking heads on the mainstream channels are praising the protesters for their courage. They say that China's treating them in a in a um, in an unlawful manner. China, the Chinese government has been cruel. The police are cruel. People are being shot at with rubber bullets. People are being bashed and and rounded up and taken away. Uh, and yet, they're, they're criticising China for that. But it's happened in our own country. So when these things were going on in Melbourne, for example, the mainstream media were calling us all Fruit Loops. But when the Chinese do it, they're heroes. I mean, it's just, it's mind-boggling. I'm, I'm sure you agree. It's just absolutely absurd the way this is being treated. If the fourth estate, the mainstream media, had done what you guys are doing in alternative media and that had been broadcast to the wider community, this would have been over two years ago. Yeah, they're certainly not calling the the brave uh, protesters in in China who have uh, amazingly uh, are achieving a change in in uh, the CCP's COVID zero policy. They're not calling them uh, selfish, 
anti-science or what's the new favorite word cookers uh, uh because it's a, it's a bit hard to uh disparage people who are standing up to a totalitarian uh, 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 one party biomedical uh police state uh, but of course australia was not much better in in 2020 2021 and the shame of it all uh, throughout that time was that the the Australian public they were compliant and supportive but as we saw last year the the Omicron uh, variant take the world by by storm and I think after that Omicron took over I all vaccine <laughs> mandates or should I say vaccine coercions I they were they, they were <laughs> unjustified especially for young people i mean boosters and that uh, should have only been aimed at the very vulnerable not the healthy and very able uh, that is when a lot of australians got COVID and they'll be like oh is that all and i think that's why we've seen this dismantling but obviously i now we even see the mainstream media talking about vaccine injuries there was a i'm not sure if you saw it a sympathetic article in the age about people waiting uh to hear back from the the government's uh, covid vaccine injury compensation scheme that would have been unheard of a year ago yeah look that's true the mainstream media is starting to speak out a little now and, and we're grateful to people like rowan dean on sky uh who's a consistent campaigner um but what we're seeing is the uh the narrative the lie has been ramped up by the powers that be by the bureaucracies and the corporations the lie's been ramped up because they're they've now they're now using what they call long covid as an excuse to cover up the fact that people are being vaccine injured you know the symptoms of uh vaccine injury and long covid are identical uh people at home are still not asking questions as to why all these sports stars are falling over and why, why all these people are dropping dead why has the death rate gone up and the mainstream media's response to that is oh that's a side effect of COVID. that's what's happened because people have got COVID. all the all the information that we're getting now based on all the data that's been collected in the last two years is clearly pointing to people's immune systems that have been shot to pieces because they've been vaccinated uh, my wife and I have had the Delta variant and um, we got that in Sydney at a big rally the, the day that they announced the first case of Omicron coming into Australia. And when we heard the symptoms of Omicron, lo and behold, they were the same symptoms as uh, vaccine injuries. So it's just so blatantly clear to anyone who's half awake that this this is just the um, the mainstream protecting itself, absolutely protecting itself. I think... A lot of the mainstream uh, personalities uh, have been lulled into thinking that the ship is unsinkable. But now, like the Titanic, now the water's starting to flow over the bulkheads. They're starting to scramble for seats on the lifeboats. And I think they're going to have to because a lot of them have, uh, have recognised what happened in, um, in Nuremberg, in the Nuremberg war trials. Uh, journalists uh, were, were actually hung in Nuremberg because they aided and abetted Hitler in crimes, crimes against humanity. And in my mind, I'm not saying capital punishment's away, and I'm not referring to that. In my mind, what we're going through now has been a crime against humanity. So people are starting to get worried about, oh, you know what, I may have backed the wrong horse a bit too hard. And I think the, um, I think the, the uh, global elite have actually gone too hard too early, to be honest with you. I think they raced ahead of themselves 
and I don't think they counted on the the kind of um, of opposition that they're getting from everyday people like us, for example, who are speaking up. Uh, regarding long COVID, uh, that just see the, the reason I think the uh, the the media and uh, the COVID doom experts are pushing it is because they're they're trying to use it as a way to uh, see if they can push for the reintroduction of restrictions and especially masks. They love masks, and so they 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 want uh, they they say see this is why we still need to suppress waves and that that's why this is being pushed uh, so much uh, but with regard to uh, uh, what you said uh, uh, go- going too hard uh, with the, the pushing of these these vaccines there has been incredible back down by well our own atagi uh, they they said that if that a, a fifth dose uh, or third booster for those over I can't remember if it was 50 or 65 would have marginal benefit. And over in, in Europe, uh, they are not advising or recommending young, healthy people have any more COVID uh, vaccines. And they're going into their winter over there. And it's not COVID they're worried about anymore. It's flu and RSV affecting children because their immune, immune system has been suppressed because of all the years of, of lockdowns and masks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The, 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 toll, the toll on humanity, apart from vaccine injuries and or COVID, the virus itself, regardless of whether it's real or not, but the, the, uh, the ancillary toll that will never, ever be quantified. In, in, in specifics, we're talking about suicides, a number of people who've died from cancer because they weren't able to get proper medical treatment, um, and other illnesses that have crept in, heart disease, um, you name it. Mental illness has gone through the roof. It'll never, ever be properly quantified. There have been several attempts by, uh, by organisations who are awake to what's going on who are trying to get that message out there. But once again, it gets, uh, it gets given short shrift by mainstream media they they need to be telling the story and they're not um the little bits that they do here and there they're not driven home hard enough i mean look what happened tim we had a royal commission i think because four electricians died from the home insulation scandal you know that was big news that that raided its its socks off in the mainstream media news organizations uh but now we're having all of this stuff happening it's not it's not rating it's hardly rating a mention and the organizations or the personalities who are mentioning it uh, people like Rowan Dean and and uh, and others uh, they stand out in in the crowd it's it's like also when we watch our our freedom senators uh, in in Canberra they are delivering statesmanlike speeches unbelievable I'm talking about uh, about uh, Malcolm Roberts I'm talking about um, Jared Rennick Alex Antic Matt Canavan starting to speak up now all of these senators who are really going for it, and we see them delivering Martin Luther King-style speeches filled with truth to empty Senate chambers, and their speeches aren't being broadcast on the mainstream. I mean, I, look, I'm, I'll be 70 in a few weeks' time, Tim, and I've never seen this country so downtrodden and so corrupted. In every aspect, in every aspect of our... There's not one institution on the planet that I trust anymore, not one. And I used to be an ordinary mainstream kind of guy who just rolled with the flow, trusted the government, 
You know, they wouldn't do a thing like this. But now there's no way that I would trust any organisation. I don't even trust churches, corporate churches. And I'm a, I'm a devout Christian. I don't trust um, the corporate charities. I don't trust the mainstream media. I don't trust our governments, state, federal or local. I mean, it's just bizarre. I've never felt so perplexed. Yeah, if it wasn't for my faith in Christ, to be honest with you, I, I think I'd go nuts. If you've listened to uh, those uh, those senators that you you talked about deliver their 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 speeches, they do their homework. They've deep dived into the data. It would have taken them days and days, probably all nighters, of going through that data, compiling it. It's it's all from it's all from the data. That's 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 what they're they're quoting in their speech, summarizing it for well, what should be uh, broadcast to the masses. They are, and, and uh, to see uh, uh, Jared Rennick in, in the uh, Senate chamber last week uh, defending that uh, action to, to uh, force Fair Work Commission to do some things, and to see uh, Sarah Hanson-Young from the Greens bring that down, bring that whole argument to its knees uh, based on her petulance, I was just so angry. I don't know about you, but um, you know some of these people don't deserve the salary uh, they don't deserve the conditions that they get to occupy that seat in the chamber. Uh, I think Sarah Hanson Young and others need to be uh, need to be booted out. I, I think it's a disgrace that they uh, that they stifle the debate because it, it's too hard for them to listen to. I just think it's reprehensible. And now in 2022 in Australia, we saw a, a change of government uh, from uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison to Prime Minister Anthony Albanese. In my opinion, not much changed in that regard. It was just a, a different colour, uh, party colour and, and uh, Prime Minister. Down here in Victoria, um, Dan Andrews re-elected for another uh, four years, uh, please pray for us. And uh, New South Wales has their state election in March 2023. You said uh, that uh, your level of trust in our institutions is extremely low. What do you foresee for 2023? Because as 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 we we saw, like somebody who thought uh, who predicted made predictions for 2019 about what 2020 would look like, um, couldn't foresee what could happen. What, what do you think the next year will bring uh, to Australia? Well, I think it's going to be a lot more of the same under a different banner. You know, as I said earlier on, I think uh, climate change and, and social credit systems, I think uh, uh, we'll be a cashless society before we know it. I think there are a lot of very sinister things being orchestrated, uh, but we need to keep it all in balance. I think the one thing that touring around and, and going to these big rallies has shown me is that the spirit of Australia is still alive and well. And I think the people are becoming much more resilient. I think they're, uh, they're, they're coping with things. They're relying on themselves and their communities a lot more. They're relying on governments and, and uh, corporations less, and that's a good thing. And I think they're starting to realise that education is an important thing. We need to be educated. Um. You know, radical, radical, um, radical resistance and uh, and all that sort of stuff. We, we're not there. That's not where we need to go. There's, if we educate ourselves and become resistant by answer, by asking questions, I think that's the best form of resistance. Don't just take the government's word or the corporation's word or the church's word for anything. Ask the questions. 
if it smells like a rat, it may well be a rat. And that's the one thing that we've realised in the last couple of years. By asking questions, we slow the whole thing down. And that's what needs to happen. Everyone needs to sit on their hands and not do anything rash. The whole uh, the, the pandemic response has been a knee-jerk rash overreaction that we've seen bring bring down disaster from on high on, on everybody on the planet. So I think that I think Australia will become more community focused. That's my prayer that it will. I think we, we need to become more disciplined in the way we deal with these things. I think um, I've, I've had to examine uh, the freedom movement, for example, in, in the last few months. A lot of people are saying, why didn't we, why didn't we achieve so much? We were getting 8% of the population to the rallies, Tim. 8% of Australian of Australians were turning up in the streets in all the cities and towns around Australia every weekend for every year. And the government should have fallen after 3.5%. That's the 3.5% uh, rule, that if 3.5% of a, of a population uh, rally in protest, the government always falls. But they didn't do that. I think um, most of the people that were turning up at the rallies were everyday mums and dads and everyday people. I consider myself an everyday uh, kind of guy who's just woken up and decided that this is rubbish. But I think the um, the freedom movement uh, got hijacked by people who've been pushing agendas for a long time that haven't been uh, that haven't been helpful in keeping people in that movement. So I think what we're seeing is the mums and dads have fallen away from it because uh, they've been at rallies where people are talking about a whole bunch of other agendas that they're not across and they feel a weird. So I think we have to be more disciplined. I think we have to recognise that uh, there is a right wing and a left wing, but I've never flown an aeroplane that hasn't flown properly unless both wings were connected. And where all the people in the aeroplane, they're all in the middle, they're between the left wing and the right wing, and that's where it's safe to be, and that's how the thing's designed to fly. So I think we need to, we need to consider rebranding ourselves in this movement because if a lot of people who we want to wake up walk up to a rally and ask you, you know, why are you, at, why are you doing this? Most people say we're fighting for our freedom. Well, people who are asking the question would say, well, you've already got it. What do you mean? You're able to, you're out here now rallying. You're not being arrested. Uh, most of them didn't know what went on in Melbourne and Sydney. Um, they, uh, they're saying, you know, you can go to the cafe and have a cafe latte. You can go to the pub. You can go to work. Uh, they still don't know that there are so many, there are tens of thousands of people mandated out of employment because of their medical uh, procedures. Um, and so, but if you say to people, instead of saying, oh, we're out here for freedom, if you say, well, look, we're out here because we think the government's overstepped the mark on too many occasions, and you give them examples like if you own a, if you own a property, for example, should, it, should you really have to spend six months getting approval from the council to put a garden shed in your backyard? Um, is it feasible for you to be watching like a hawk every every street corner that you go past on the road because you're scared there might be a stop camera there or a or a speed camera or a seatbelt camera and you're seeing all these blue signs saying speed camera for your safety? Um, most people will will agree that we're over over governed and Australia is one of the most over governed countries on the planet. And if we if we just tell people we're pushing back because we just want the freedom to be able to live a normal life without all this extra overreach, I think we win more people over and we can keep them in the fray a bit longer. So I'm encouraging people to build communities of resistance. For example, uh, let's say that 
in Queensland, uh, Palaszczuk brings back a, the red light and that means everybody's got to have a green tick and a mask to go shopping at Coles or Woolies. Now, if you're in a community of resistance in the Brisbane area and there's three or 400 of you, uh, in, in order to demonstrate your resistance, you can all go along without a mask and without a green tick to Woolies at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon and you can all do your shopping, three or 400 of you. And you're pushing the trolleys around and all the staff are saying you're not allowed in, too late, we're already in. And then you go to the checkouts and the manager decides he's not going to sell you your groceries. So the 300 of you there with trolleys full of groceries say, oh, okay, all right, and you just leave your, your grocery carts there and walk out. I mean, that in itself is a massive way to highlight the ludicrous nature of these lockdowns and these uh, all these mandates. So there's so many things that we can do, but we need to be educated and we need to make sure that we don't perpetrate any more fake news from our side that we get from the other side as well, because I've come to see that fake news is as prevalent on both sides of the fence and we need to be very careful. We, we need to stop running down rabbit holes. We need to keep our arguments logical and, and in perspective and we need to be disciplined. The reason the Chinese... Uh, rally movement at the moment is succeeding in many ways is because they're disciplined. They've all decided that they're not going to have banners. They're not going to have, uh, they're not going to wear crazy slogans on their shirts. They're holding up a blank piece of paper. Well, that, cause that's legal there. Uh, that's political right. slogans are illegal. But how good is that though? Because I, I said to me uh, about mission to Melbourne, if we all turned up with a white shirt with a red poppy on it in remembrance uh, and we didn't have any slogans. We didn't even need speakers. We didn't even need people on a stage spruiking. We just need to stand en masse in quiet protest and fill the streets. That invites people to come up and ask why we're there. And then we can say what's rational. And anyone who's there with pushing different agendas who are, you know, belonging to this organisation or that organisation, they're going to stand out for who they are. But the majority of people will be seen there. They're in between the left wing and the right wing. They just want to see the country restored to some kind of livable existence. And I think uh, I think discipline is really important in, in this. And we need to stick to the message. Like when I um, when I went to started going to the rallies, I needed to ask myself why I'm going, because I may be I may be asked by mainstream media, and I was in several press conferences asked why why I was there. So I decided the reasons I made the video in the first place and the reasons I've been speaking out ever since are fivefold. The first one is open the borders, never close them again. We're one country, not seven. Borders must never be closed. End the mandates, protect the children, give everyone their jobs back, and we want a Royal Commission or better. They're the five reasons I went to the rally. I didn't go there for any other agendas. They're the things that I spoke to and I spoke about. And I believe that 90% of the people who turned up that were filling the streets in those early days were people who just wanted those things. Now, the last one is a really good one, the Royal Commission. Well, the Royal Commission's not going to have a lot of teeth. No, it's, they're running it. They're the government who uh, yeah. perpetrated all this. That's right. But the, the good there's one good thing about a Royal Commission, and that is that all the underlings in these bureaucracies they all know that when there's big questions being asked, the guys at the top never get thrown under the bus. They do. And they leak like sieves. And anything that promotes somebody who's caught up in that system to leak like a sieve and produce more information to bring truth to the fore has got to, has got to be better than not having anything. 
what we really need is, is an independent tribunal like Nuremberg was to make sure that these crimes never happen again. And not just to punish people for what they did. We need to understand, Tim, that if we don't understand the reasons why these things have happened, we're going to repeat them. We have to know how we got into this mess. And the average Australian person got into this mess because they were apathetic and they were bloated on entitlement. They believe the government owes them everything. And they, they've fallen for this fear narrative, false evidence appearing real. And the, the governments and, uh, and the global elite have fed us on fear for hundreds of years. And we've fallen for it. Yeah, let's go back. I go back, I'm nearly 70. As I said, I remember, um, I remember the hole in the ozone layer that we're all going to fry within three years. And everybody went crazy and they got rid of CFCs and people were, you know, getting rid of their fridges and that nothing happened. Nothing happened. Then we had the Y2K bug. Everything was going to fall out of the sky and the world was going to end. And, you know, on New Year's Day 2001, nothing happened. Then we had uh, peak oil. We were going to run out of oil. We've got more oil than we've ever poked a stick at. They found more oil at, at the moment. We've got more natural resources than we ever dreamt of. But we're all going to run out of oil. And then, uh, then we've had all the various financial collapses. And we've had, uh, then we had 9-11. And we had the war on terror. And now we've got all these viruses supposedly coming out. And it's funny how they've all been predicted well in advance. They've even been named and strategies been formed for them and then they appear. We have been overfed on fear for decades, in fact, hundreds of years. And that drives a narrative that gets us to be compliant and we comply our way into tyranny as a result of fear. We've got to wake up every morning and realise that, you know what, what we did yesterday got us to today, Tim. And what we do today will get us to tomorrow. And I think that's where Australia's got to come to. We've got to realise for 2023, getting back to that question, that there's a lot of stuff that's going to wake up a lot more people and we have to be disciplined and organised enough to deal with that when it happens and make ourselves uh, accountable and representing of most of the people in the country who'll be waking up slowly but surely. And I think 2023... Hopefully it will be, hopefully COVID, the pandemic will be the thing that's helped to wake a lot of us up to get us into a better future. I hope so. But my own faith tells me that this only ends when Jesus comes and puts a sword to it all and takes the rest of us home. Like after the original uh, Nuremberg, uh, we also need to, to vow, well, uh, everyone needs to vow never again because, well, they, they want to try this again. Uh, we heard at the, the B20, oh, we need to have uh, passports for the next uh, pandemic, which was quite alarming. But uh, I want to talk about your your faith now, because you are a, a born-again Christian, a Seventh-day uh, Adventist, uh, even uh, before uh, you, you rose to, 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 to prominence uh, in uh, the freedom movement. Uh, you uh, gave regular testimony about uh, your uh, your journey uh, to, to Christ and also that your faith helped you uh, battle uh, pornography uh, addiction. Yeah, look, I was an atheist up till 2006 and 2006 was the year I was going to take my own life. I didn't believe in anything. I had a hole in my soul you could drive a truck through. I, uh, you know, I looked for, uh, for salvation in all the wrong places and addiction was one of them. A pornography addiction was one, but 
you know, I overspent, you know, a new car would make me feel good for a week. You know, a new power tool would make me feel good for a couple of hours, all that sort of thing. It was, it wasn't until I got to the edge of my own uh, demise, uh, I was going to kill myself, as I said. Uh, I got to within days of that. I'd set a date to do it. I was going to do it uh, without leaving a note um, for various reasons. But um, when when I was brought back from the edge of that and realised how close I got to it, I got to ask a lot of questions about why I got there and what was missing. And that journey led me down a pathway towards uh, Jesus Christ. And, um, and I realised then, after starting that journey, that a man I'd never met 2,000 years ago died the most unspeakable death on the cross so a filthy porn addict like me could have a second chance. And I believe that was something worth following. And, and I mentioned that. I talk about the, the sacrifice that he made on the cross for all of us outside the Jerusalem on, on, the, uh, on the hill. And I, I reference that too to the 100,000 little white crosses on foreign battlefields that cover the graves of Australians who also fought for our freedom. And I think we need to value that and we need to understand what what drives that and where that comes from. So for me, faith has been an amazing part of my journey. It brought me back from the edge of the cliff. It, it filled that aching hole in my soul with, with God. And, and uh, yeah, look, I've had a lot of setbacks along the way. I've, I've been, I came into faith like a front row forward in a ballet school. But um, there, there's something about my faith that's quite simple. Um, it's not bogged in overly bogged down in doctrine. I believe I believe that the corporate church has a lot to answer for. I think religion has a lot to answer for. I think religion has done more to harm God than than it's done good. I think it's just destroyed the character of God in the eyes of so many people. And I've often said, and I've said this in church at church pulpits when I've preached, that uh, religion is the business of God conducted by men, and they're not very good at it. I believe that we should all have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because that, that can save you. And um, and to put it in, in simple terms, I, I was flying with a guy one day, uh, my co-pilot, who said to me, oh, you're worried about the GFC? And I said, no. And he said, why not? And I said, well, I've got faith. And he said, what do you mean you've got faith? I said, well, I've got a higher power that looks after that. And he said, you're joking. He said, don't tell me you're a born-again Christian. I said, well, yeah, actually, I, I am. Yeah, I am a born-again Christian. And I believe God's in control. And and he just said, I can't believe you think that. How can you believe all that rubbish? And I said, well, I choose to. Um, what sort of rubbish are you talking about? He said, how can you believe that, you know, God created the world in six days, the seventh day he rested, all that sort of stuff. I said, well, all right. I said, okay, you started the conversation, so let's talk this through. Let me tell you what I think you believe in. You believe you evolved from slime, your life has no purpose, and when you die, you're going to go back to the ground and be worm fodder. He said, yep, that's exactly how I see it. I said, well, I think that I was created by someone who loves me. My life has a purpose, and when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. He said, I get that. I said, who's going to have a better day, you or me? And he sort of looked at me startled, and he started to laugh. And I said, True. I said, if you could stand with me at the end of time and say, see, Hoodie, I told you God didn't exist, I could say, well, blow me down. You could have fooled me. But, boy, I've had a great life. And that's what sustained me uh, in the last 17 years and 16, 17 years. And it's, it's done wonders. And 
you know, there are times when I when I've uh, I seem to be very serene and comfortable with the fact that I understand God's in control, and then there are other times when I get perplexed and I seem to wander away from Him, and everything goes a bit haywire. But I come back, and and coming back to my faith always brings me to a peaceful place. Uh, I'm struggling a bit at the moment in some aspects because I'm really tired. You know, we've been we've been cracking an exhausting pace in the last year. It's just been phenomenal. We haven't had a break. Um, and I'm just really tired, but I know I'll bounce back from that and, um, and I'm going to stay in the fight, uh, without a doubt, but I'll be doing it. I'll be doing it, uh, knowing that I'm on God's side and, and I won't be going through any doors unless I know he's opened it and I'll never step out in front of him. I'll always let him lead. And so far it's done me good. It hasn't done me any harm. And I've, I've been approached by tens of thousands of people asking for prayers at the rallies. And even atheists, Tim, who say to me, you know, look, I don't believe in God, but I can't sleep at night unless I hear you pray at the end of Club Grubbery with John. And I say, well, what do you think God's trying to tell you? And they say, we haven't worked it out yet. And I said, well, you've admitted that there must be a God, so you're no longer an atheist. Um, so a lot of people are coming to realise that if you can't trust any other organisation on the planet, where do you put your faith? And I put my faith in a very simple one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's held me in, in good stead for the last 17 years. I, my life would have been over if I hadn't discovered Christ at the 11th hour, uh, and I wouldn't be here having this conversation with you now. So I've realised that God had something better for me to do, and um, and I'm now living that. I don't think my life was ever about flying aeroplanes. I think all that ever did was give me the credibility to wear a uniform and I made that video that's opened up this whole new world that I'm now a part of, meeting incredible people like yourself. Um, you know, I've gone from, when I made that video, I thought the spirit of Australia had died, but in the last 18 months, I've seen that it's more alive than it's ever been. And people are coming together in the most beautiful ways now. And faith is playing a large part of that. Um, I prayed in front of over a million people and I've heard a million people say amen. And that tells me something, Tim. That tells me that the people are wanting to know more. And it's up to people who have faith uh, to describe them, uh, what that means in the, in the simplest possible ways. And that's what I've just tried to do. Well, we're very grateful that you're with us today. Sorry. You haven't got me. A bit emotional hearing, hearing that story. I'm nor, normally very composed on, on on this program but that was that was truly uh an inspiring story to to hear now i uh, i'd like to finish off by just uh, i'm sort of indulging my own fascination with your uh profession because i know how i, I know how to drive a car like i practiced and did my hours and that but learning to fly a plane I mean, it's, it's such a, it seems to all of us such an advanced skill. And if you, if the, the, the pilot uh, doesn't do it right, it can, it can kill people. Like they, that's why those air crash investigation programs are so yeah. high rating. Uh, so like how, how is the, the training process and like what's it like because you've uh, as you said you you've done over thirty five thousand hours uh, you obviously loved it uh, like uh, can you describe the the training process and just how 
how how having that well it's a responsibility uh, that you carry how what is the life of a pilot like from training to to just every day look it's it's very exciting uh, it's um it's a boy's own adventure for me i've i've had the most incredible life i've flown lots of wonderful airplanes i've carried lots of interesting cargo and people i've carried 6 million people over 12 million miles and 22,000 takeoffs and landings i never left anyone up there um, but, you know, I, I had a boyhood dream at the age of five and I saw a, it was a Qantas Super Constellation fly over the house I lived in in Wollongong. And um, I, I grew up in a, dis, in, in a dysfunctional family, but I realised when I was lying on the grass looking at that plane go over that that's what I wanted to do at the age of five. And so I lived into that. I built model aeroplanes and I, you know, I read books about it and uh, I had a, a pretty rough childhood, as I said, and I didn't get to complete education after age 13. I I, uh, I basically stopped educating at age 13 and I had a criminal record by the time I was 17. And I've been able to rise to the top of my profession in, in what was once the most trusted and oldest, one of the oldest airlines in the world. So it's been a real feather in my cap to do that. But it, what got me there was the love of it, uh, Tim. It wasn't for the love of looking forward to a high income that, you know, it's a reasonable income when you become a senior pilot and it wasn't for wearing the uniform and it wasn't for the, the glory and the glamour. Those days are over now. Anyway, it was purely for the love of seeing the houses get smaller when you pull back on the stick and see them get bigger when you push forward and flying around thunderstorms and seeing their majesty right up close and, uh, and realising that the name, the aim of the game always in flying is to do what the hat says, to stay out of the trees. And that's what that slogan means. And that's a little slogan I came up with years ago. I used to tell all my mates before we went flying, don't forget, boys, make sure you stay out of the trees because the last thing you want to do is put an aeroplane into the trees. So for me, it was just a labour of love. And I was really fortunate that each step along the way, uh, when I found it really difficult to do the study, like the courses you've got to do are intense. And when you haven't had an education and you've had no maths and no physics, uh, you know, and you're studying things like meteorology and, and uh, aerodynamics and principles of flight and uh, navigation, all these things you've got to learn. It's very daunting, but you do, you do it bit by bit. You know, it's like eating the elephant one, bat, one mouthful at a time. And um, I found that, uh, I found it an incredibly humbling experience uh, to realise that as I progressed through my career, more and more people were putting their faith in me to get them from A to B safely. And I found that very, very humbling. Um, I, made a, I made a point very early in the piece to leave my ego in the cupboard at home when I went to work because ego and flying don't go very well together. And I've, I've enjoyed the, uh, the company of amazing people in the industry. I've been trained by the best. I've worked for the best. Uh, Qantas was, without a doubt, Qantas and TAA, Australian Airlines, Bush Pilot Airways, companies that I worked for were the best in their industry. And I was privileged to do that with no education. So I'm a very, very lucky boy. And, um, yeah, look, the, 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 um, the joy of everyday flying is, is it can be challenging. Flying in bad weather is incredibly challenging and it's where we really get to practice our craft. Um, you know, landing on on a strip of concrete in a dark, stormy night is um, 
can be pretty daunting, but I tell you what, when you do it and you pull it off really well, it's, it, it's, there's no better feeling. And, uh, but then, then there are times when you dread it, like uh, when we have to do our simulated retraining every three months, we've got to go and get into the simulator and they throw everything at you. Uh, you're a nervous wreck before you go in there because your whole livelihood depends on whether you pass or fail. And you're your own worst critic. You, you tend to self-critique a fair bit in flying, which is a good thing. Um, so I used to dread doing simulators, but I always felt relieved when I got a good mark and got out of there and thought, well, I've still got it. And so for me, 53 years of aviation was absolute amazing. It was an incredible adventure, uh, flying around North Queensland, up to New Guinea, uh, carrying live crocodiles around in, in old DC-3s, um, flying jet aircraft, crop dusting, flying under power lines for a living, flying under power lines at night, spraying cotton, all these things I did, mustering cattle with an aeroplane. I had an absolute ball. And it, it all ended way too quick. It all ended very unceremoniously. It was not the way I thought it would end. It was quite sad the way it ended, but I felt I had to do it that way. Um, and... Um, I look back on it now with uh, with great joy, with a sense of satisfaction. I was flying better than I ever had on my last flight. Um, my my uh, my last couple of years in the job where I was at the peak of my performance, I left on a high note, and um, no one had to tap me on the shoulder and say, "Come on, you're getting a bit too old." I was flying really, really well. So I'm just been a lucky man, uh, and. I don't think aviation will ever be the same again. I think I've seen the best of it. But uh, on the tour we just completed a couple of weeks ago, I sat in the jumbo at the uh, Longreach Founders Museum and uh, I put an old uniform on and I filmed a couple of uh, segments in there for our program and I shed a tear, I've got to be honest with you, and parked alongside the jumbo was an old DC-3 that I flew uh, and it was just sitting there and I, I saw... You know, between the jumbo jet and the DC-3 and the super constellation, there was only 38 years of progression between, you know, when a DC-3, which was a World War II aircraft, was seen as the peak of, um, of techno technological advancement. And 38 years from that, we found ourselves in Concords and some of these new aircraft that we're flying now, it's amazing how quickly it's gone. And having to stay abreast of that and keep learning as you go along has been uh, very good for the brain as well. So... If I had it to do all over again, I would. Uh, but I'd probably, I'd probably go to the Royal Flying Doctor Service as a young pilot and say, "Here I am. Uh, put me to work for life. I'll stick with you guys for life." I think I would have found that much more rewarding than airline flying. Um, you know, landing on a on a highway in the middle of the night out in the bush somewhere to pick up a road accident victim, and you know, having babies delivered in flight, all that sort of community flying would have been great. I would have loved that. Um, but it is what it is, and now I'm flying higher than I ever have doing what we're doing by doing, having these conversations. And uh, so uh, I've tried to compress as much of a 53-year career in a few minutes to answer that question, uh, Tim, but I'm a man many times blessed because of my career. Uh, it's, uh, as I said, uh, your, your, all of your, your life stories are inspiring and what you're doing now is inspiring as well and it's been an honor uh to speak with you and it's been an experience uh for me as well so thank you very much thank you so much tim is it all right with you if i pray it out go for it great <laughs> 
Dear Lord Father in heaven, it's been a blessing to talk to a like-minded young Australian who's asking relevant questions because relevant questions need to be asked. Because when we ask relevant questions, we pray that we get truth and you often tell us that the truth will set us free. So Lord, we pray that we live in truth, that we look into 2023 with a newfound vigour and a hope for a relationship with you as we grow into this crazy world that we're living in, Father. So please bless us one and all in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Will's Right, brought to you by theunshackled.net. And I am back live. And as you saw with my interview with Graham, I was uh, quite touched when he talked about his uh, Christian a conversion, even though myself, I am an atheist, given that it, it saved him from a suicide plan. Uh, so that was, that was very moving to hear. Now, I thought I'd end the show uh, since uh, there's no longer a Trad Tasman talk on Friday. So I won't see you next until Monday. I thought I'd do a quick news blast. So some very sad news uh, coming out of uh, New Zealand. Uh, Douay uh, brought this to our attention last week about uh, this uh, couple who their baby needed heart surgery and they only, they only wanted uh, blood used from unvaccinated individuals. Uh, so a, the New Zealand uh, High Court has has ruled that the state will take custody of their baby, the Auckland High Court. Uh, so uh, they will be placed in temporary custody so that an operation to correct a heart disorder can, could go ahead. This is from Rebel News. Uh, so health authorities said that the parents' pleas were impractical, unnecessary despite willing unvaccinated donors wanting help. The boy's parents said they had dozens of donors willing to give blood for their son's surgeries. The court said the overriding issue is whether the proposed treatment is in the baby's best interest. So the child will be held under medical guardianship of the court until the completion of his surgery and recovery by the end of January. At the latest, the parents remain custodians for all other purposes and will be informed at reasonable times of the nature and progress of baby W's condition and treatment, the ruling says. So there you go. In New Zealand, uh, your children belong to the state. They don't belong to you. And even though the, uh, the baby's parents will regain custody, the state can take it away at any time in the future if they don't think that the parents are making a decision that they approve of. Now, moving to Victoria and the Victorian Liberal opposition, uh, counting uh, has continued in the uh, Victorian state election and uh, the the counting of uh, absentee pre-poll and double uh, double checking postal has actually increased labor's vote and also increased uh, Dan Andrews uh, seat tally uh, the upper house uh, seats won't formally declared until next week uh, when the writs are due to be returned to the the governor on December 13th the Victorian Liberal opposition elected 
their new leader today, and that is uh, John uh, Basciuto, a modern liberal, which is just another word for moderate or left-wing liberal, won uh, the ballot. He won back the seat of Hawthorne from Labor and uh, also fended off a challenge uh, off the teals there. So he was elected by one vote against uh, shadow police minister and member for Berwick, Brad Batten. And so we shall see if uh, he is able to bring the, the Liberal Party back from another four years in the wilderness in another four years. Now, of course, uh, Dan Andrews uh, declared that uh, after his uh, re-election at the November 26th election, that uh, Victoria was a progressive state. He said it was like the the the, the Massachusetts of Australia. And uh, one of uh, his uh, unveilings or uh, or legacy buildings, uh, which he which he opened in 2021 uh, was the Victorian LGBT Pride Centre in St Kilda. And so what was going to be on uh, tonight was something called Glitter Nova, uh, end of year celebration. And it was also uh, sponsored by the city of uh, Stonington. Uh, so it uh, had... Uh, drag workshops and performances by Alexander McQueen, Randy Ray, and uh, uh, Bailal uh, Bazaar, and a DJ set by DJ Gay Dad. Uh, now, last night, it was uh, circulated amongst uh, nationalist groups on Telegram uh, that a, a counter- a protest uh, should be organised uh, against this grooming event and uh, the LGBT community or what was called the queer community uh, defence, they decided uh, they were going to organise a, a pro or defence of this event. Uh, but uh, in a significant uh, victory uh, for the, the anti-grooming movement, the event was cancelled and the, the uh, queer uh, community uh, defence, uh, defence call as they call themselves, uh, was quite upset. Because of threats from fascist groups, the local council has decided to cancel the queer youth event tonight. Earlier, we called out for community support to defend this event, the kids attending and the performers. We are frustrated that the council has given these homophobes a win, but that can't be changed. The kids are the focus as it should be, but we won't be bullied into submission so easily. We ask people to commit to turning up deny the fascists a photo opportunity and let them know that we won't be pushed over. We can't predict what will happen. We don't know if kids will rock up who didn't get the message in time and we don't know if these fascists will turn up at all. We advise people to travel in groups, bring only yourself and whatever flags or sign you want. We stand together in union, community and in solidarity. And uh, Slack Bastard uh, also goes by the name Andy Fleming, uh, when interviewed by Raf Epstein on ABC Radio this afternoon, uh, 
admitted that uh, the cancelling of this event could embolden the groups targeting these events. If the aim was to prevent an event from taking place, they appear to have done that. And uh, the uh, the drag queen who uh, was also a performer at uh, the what is that that youth fest uh, back in uh, October at Queen's Park, organised by the Mooney Valley uh, Council, which the the NSN uh, pro uh, protested uh, against. Uh, so uh, you'll remember that uh, that that drag queen's name uh, was. Well, I'll play you. She posted it on her Instagram, uh, social media, uh, this message about the cancellation. Hello, hello. It's your local psychedelic lizard wizard. I do want to make a very particular note about the Glitter Nova event tonight, which is at the Vic Pride Centre in St Kilda from 6.30 till 8.30pm. Um, unfortunately, some alt-right groups have organised to protest this event. And in light of this, Stonington Youth Services and Minus 18 have decided to postpone the event. Now, my concern here is Stonington Youth Services have put out a statement very late in the piece through a channel that does not have very much engagement and they have limited comments on this post. So I'm not sure how many people will get the message. I'm unsure if emails have been sent out to ticket holders yet and Minus18 has not put out a statement as of the moment I'm recording this on either Facebook or Instagram. I understand that because this is very late in the piece. Some of you may be getting ready to go out now. Some of you may already be traveling. Um, for the young people who are thinking of attending, I would strongly advise you to turn around right now um, or organize something separate with your friends tonight and just take care of each other. Do not come to the Vic Pride Center if you are planning on coming and enjoying the events. However, we are still pretty certain that these protesters will show up. And as a sign of solidarity, I do encourage older people in the queer community, anyone who has spoons, to show up and help out tonight. We cannot give these people an inch. All we have is each other. Sending all of my love. Uh, so that was uh, uh, Baliel Bazaar, uh, whose uh, who's name uh, translate from Hebrew into demon flesh or devil flesh. Uh, uh, she's of uh, Croatian uh, ethnic uh, descent, uh, FYI, for those of you wondering. And uh, the LGBT news website uh, even uh, credited I, uh, the telegram uh, groups uh, that uh, were uh, spreading word of a protest. So that was XYZ News, Turning Point Australia and Australian Meditations Nationalist Yarn Chat run by, they say, suspected National Socialist Network members. The post spoke about a protest being planned at the event by a group calling itself People Against Pedos. Uh, now, uh, they have uh, vowed uh, that the event will be uh, re rescheduled. Uh, this, as it was called, Glitter Nova. Uh, so 
we shall see, and they'll probably have a, a huge uh, security and police presence. Uh, now, possibly uh, because of the uh, the grooming phenomena in the the, the West and uh, the LGB indoctrination in uh, the schools, uh, this is obviously having a the uh, non-Western conser uh, conservative countries are obviously seeing this, and so it's having an effect there. I think. I might call it the Qatari effect, given that the the, the Western nations' uh, virtue uh, signaling on LGBT issues has actually hardened uh, Qatar's uh, traditional Islamic conservative culture. And uh, there's just been passed a a law uh, this week uh, in the Indonesian uh, parliament. Uh, so they have... Uh, lawmakers have approved a new criminal code which will apply to Indonesians and foreigners alike and will also pre uh, prohibit cohabitation between unmarried couples. It'll also ban insulting the president or state institutions, spreading views counter to the state ideology and staging protests without notifications. And so uh, this is uh, despite worries that the laws may scare away tourists from its shores and harm investments. Uh, the Australian government's smarttraveller.gov.au website already has a travel warning, which says the Indonesian parliament has passed revisions to its criminal code, which includes penalties for cohabitation and sex outside of marriage. These revisions will not come into effect for another three years. And uh, now given that Indonesia only recognizes traditional marriage man woman marriage it would be a de facto sodomy law outlawing same sex relations it's already outlawed in the arch province uh, which is governed under sharia law and also uh russia's parliament this week they already had their uh, LGBT uh, propaganda ban to minors. Now they have uh, extended it to the, the whole of society. So uh, Russia's ban on, this is from LifeSite News, Russia's ban on LGBT material to encompass adults. Individuals can, can face up to $6,400 fines for violation. Uh, so it was uh, signed into law by Vladimir Putin last Sunday. So it bans propaganda of non-traditional sexual relations, gender reassignment, and pedophilia amongst all ages. Uh, so the ban includes propaganda disseminated via books, movies, social media, advertisements, and traditional media. Foreigners can face expulsion from the Ru Russian Federation if caught violating the law. So yes, as uh, Western society goes in one direction, the rest of the world goes in uh, another uh, direction there. Uh, now, as you know, I've been uh, promoting the Melbourne Underground Fil Film Festival MUFF organized by a report from Tiger Mountain host, Richard Wollstonecroft. I attended opening night uh, where I saw for the first time the screening of uh, Topher Field's Battleground 
Melbourne uh, film, uh, my interview with with Topher after the the show, I will be posted probably on this channel uh, in the next few days because I think the Unshackled YouTube channel still has a strike because uh, it took down uh, Richard Wilsoncroft's ad uh, for Muff uh, for 2020 election denial. Uh, but uh, closing night is on uh, this Saturday. Uh, you can get your tickets by going to, to muff.com.au. That takes you to the try booking link. Uh, so closing night uh, films uh, is uh, they're screening one of Richard's uh, own film. Uh, it's uh, one of his first films, The Debt Collector. And uh, it'll finish off uh, with a screening of uh, My Son Hunter uh, by uh, De Robert uh, Daffy. And then there'll be the, the Muff Awards uh, for the best film in the festival and closing night party. Uh, so I'm not sure if I'll be there for closing night, but if so, I'll post it on my social media. That's where you can be notified of all uh, my upcoming shows and also uh, unshackled uh, content news uh, from the website. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Wilmsfront uh, tonight. I'll see you next uh, for Tim's News Explosion, Monday, 8.30 p.m. Melbourne time on the Wilmsfront channels. Until then, have a good weekend. Stay safe. Stay sane. Uh, make sure the weather uh, uh, weather uh, doesn't impact you in a negative way. Fingers crossed it'll be a nice weekend down here in Melbourne. So good night, everybody, and I'll see you again soon. Thanks for tuning in to Wilmsfront. Visit timwilms.com to view the archive of episodes. And keep visiting theunshackled.net to view all our shows. And to keep up with the latest real news and analysis.